0: And welcome into the Hard Count. How we feeling? Let me be honest. How we feeling? National Signing Day came and went. I'm sure a lot of you are watching the ticker, like a hawk, waiting to see if your prized recruit would eventually put pen to paper. The good news is we're on the other side now. Okay, so a lot of that anxiety you were feeling before. Hopefully now it's been put to rest. As again, we are about 24 hours past when some of those LOIs started to come through the fax machine. But a lot to talk about because one player in particular that decided where he was going to play his college football next season that was not signing on signing day from the high school level that is, Travis Hunter, said, you know what, I want to follow Coach Prime. But before that, actually, he put out a call to action and said, if you want to find out where I'm going to go to school, let's get this YouTube channel to 100K. And so Travis Hunter, I don't know if he has any interest in working for On3 and helping us grow our following here on our YouTube channel, but I'm sure we could probably work something out. Whenever he uh, wants to talk about that. But we got a lot to talk about outside of Travis Hunter, outside of National Signing Day. We're going to talk about both those things. First, the implications of Travis Hunter's commitment, and then talking about some of the highlights and big takeaways from National Signing Day with that man fresh off of a show this morning in three hours live during the National Signing Day coverage we had here on the On Three YouTube channel. Josh Newberg joining the program. Also, going to talk a lot about Tennessee. Finished in the 12 spot yesterday, not because they lost anybody. A couple of schools that passed them up, made some moves into the top 10. So they finished at 12, started the day at 10. How do you evaluate Tennessee? Like, what's your thought process on them after yesterday? I think there's a couple of things to talk about. A couple of things to take away from their day yesterday and moving forward throughout the future. Matt Rule's gone to work, folks. We saw yesterday he is going to work at Nebraska. They've added six transfers they had a top five class within the Big Ten yesterday, first in the Big Ten West. So Nebraska's starting to make some moves. He also hit him with the Twitter fingers a little bit. And I don't know. I'm taking a little bit away from what Matt Rule has done so far in his 25, 26 days since being in Lincoln. So I think there's a lot to talk about there. Also, Some news breaking as we went on air, Ra-Ra Thomas is going to be a Georgia Bulldog. That is huge news as Georgia, a program that had some, I don't know if need is the right word, but they had some room for improvement at the wide receiver position and they got it in Ra-Ra Thomas, big body receiver who made a lot of plays last year for Mississippi State. So we're going to talk a little bit more about how Kirby built the dogs. And it's funny because that segment is riffing on the concept of, well, they haven't really gone to the portal too much, as you'll hear me talk about. But, again, big news for Georgia, getting Rah-Rah Thomas. Going to talk about how Kirby built the whole program and built the dogs, and a lot of it happens on National Signing Day for them. Haven't had a class outside the top three since 2016, a long time ago. Then... End of the program. You know the drill. Get your questions in now because you're joining the party. We're kicking open the door and getting to the party section. Nick Break, Cooper of The Q. Going to make sure we get to all of those for you. But wherever you are, however you may be listening, we appreciate you. It's been a long season. Regardless of who you root for, there's a lot to cover. There's a lot to keep up with. And you have a lot of options for who you want to spend your college football season with and what kind of content you want to track. So for those of you that have stuck with us the entirety of the season and for those of you that are just joining us right now, we're happy to have you at the party. This is a college football community. And I just want to start off the top with this. Yesterday embodied in so many ways why we love this sport, like what makes college football so special nowhere else across any sporting landscape do we have something like National sign Day with the different hats and we're going into the hat science of who is this kid going to pick? How does that impact the future of their program? Talking about a top guy in the transfer portal saying, you know what, get my YouTube subs up and maybe I'll tell you where I'm going. Like, it's madness, it's chaos, and it's what we love so much about this sport. And so from me to you, from everyone here at ON3, we're grateful to have you at this party. We're grateful that you have decided to spend some time with us. I promise you there's a lot more on the horizon, a lot more exciting things to come for us here at The Hard Count, for ON3 as an operation, and for this channel. So make sure you're subscribed. We appreciate you in advance. Let's get to the hot topic right now. Travis Hunter has decided he's going to follow Coach Prime to Colorado. This, of course, coming after he put out a call to action on Twitter during National Signing Day saying, get my YouTube channel to 100K subs. I'll give you my commitment. So, of course, college football fans being the the chaos that we are, subs, subs, subs just started rolling. And he went from like 71,000 to 100,000 in a matter of a few hours. I can't tell you how insane that is. Man of his word, Travis Hunter takes a few hours to put a video together. I'm subscribed to the Twitter notification for Travis Hunter and eventually get that little ding on my phone. See the bird pop up. Click the link. Long story short, it says, you know what? A lot of you thought I was going to go with Coach Prime. Turns out I am going with Coach Prime to Colorado. Now, I want to start off with this. This was not a lock by any stretch of the imagination because Georgia was in the mix, Miami was in the mix, and Colorado winning out at the end of the day, another situation where people committing to people pays dividends. And he said that in his video. He said, you know what, I wanted to honor my commitment. I gave him my commitment on signing day, going to Jackson State, I'm honoring that commitment, I'm following him to to Boulder, Colorado. And so I think there's a lot to take away from this, from that perspective, but let's take it a step further. What does Travis Hunter's commitment mean for Colorado? That's great. Now you got a big-time player coming to Boulder, about to wreak havoc on the Pac-12. But what does it mean for the program, Deion Sanders, and Travis Hunter as a whole? The first thing I want to say is it means more players are coming. It means there's a lot more big-time ballers that are already on their way to Boulder here in the very near future. Because for Travis Hunter, development was the main thing he was looking for. In his next stop, that's why Georgia was in the mix so heavily, it sounds like. And so for Travis Hunter, for him to have the highest stakes, arguably, of anybody in the transfer portal, and for him to say, you know what, I want to go play for Deion Sanders, I trust him the most with my development, that's going to allow a lot of other players who maybe aren't rated as highly to breathe a little bit easier when they decide they want to follow Deion Sanders to Colorado. We just, as, as humans, our nature is we like to see other people go first. Think back to your earliest memories, of whether you're going on a scary roller coaster, whether you're jumping off the diving board, whether you're doing something new for the first time. You like to see somebody else that you trust do it first. So for Travis Hunter, setting that example, I think that's going to kind of be the first crack in that dam that's going to now break open because of him deciding to follow Coach Prime. He's got a lot to lose, but in his mind as well, a lot to gain. So that projects confidence and belief onto the operation that Deion Sanders is running at Colorado. That, yes, I believe I'm an NFL player from Travis Hunter, and I trust Deion Sanders to get me there. If you haven't yet subscribed, we'd love to have you at the party. We got you covered for Deion Sanders content, covered for Travis Hunter content, just college football in general is a 12 month of year sport. Make sure you're locked in. We have a good time. Also, follow me on the socials at JD JDPakel on Twitter and on Instagram. A lot of interaction that we can do there that we can incorporate then into this program. So we appreciate you in advance for doing that. The second thing that I took away from Travis Hunter deciding he's going to follow Coach Prime, expectations now are just going to continue to climb. Because you already knew that there was going to be some top talent that was following Deion Sanders, but it's kind of like the way that I thought about USC and, and Caleb Williams. If Caleb Williams doesn't follow Lincoln Riley to USC, the conversation then around USC this year would be, okay, well, they got some guys via the portal. I understand that, but he didn't have his guy. He didn't have his key piece in Caleb Williams. I understand quarterback and corner slash wide receiver, whatever Travis Hunter ends up playing, potentially both at Colorado, have different impacts. But now that's one less excuse that people are going to allow for Deion Sanders. Meaning in 2023, I want to see some ROI if I'm a Colorado Buff fan. If I'm a college football fan in general, I'm expecting more from Colorado than I had maybe if you don't have that big time brand name like Travis Hunter. Now the lights are bright, just like Coach Prom would want them. Just like Travis Hunter wants them. They understand that. They asked for that. But now they're going to get a lot more attention and have some expectations that weren't there before or wouldn't have been there if Travis Hunter hadn't decided to follow Coach Prime. Each piece he gets now going forward is going to only build those expectations. So they want it. Like I said, they're excited to have them. They welcome them. No pressure, no diamonds, right? We'll get to that in a second. But that's the reality now. Every time that they get more players now, and Travis Hunter being the biggest one, the optics and the expectations for 2023, not 2024, not down the road. In 2023, they're going to expect some big things from Colorado, and they should. So this is what I think maybe is the most impactful for the future, for Colorado and for Deion Sanders. In some ways, Travis Hunter, we're now really going to get to see Deion Sanders develop a kid from start to finish. Was that Jackson State with them? We'll finish his college career with him, barring something crazy happening. And we're gonna finally get to have the conversation around, well, Dion's a great coach, great um, acquirer, if that's even the right word to use, of talent. But what happens when you get to the program? Can you get to the highest level uh, of, of the NFL ranks? Can you be a first-round draft pick coming from Colorado, playing for a coach and Coach Prime who hasn't been a college coach that long? It's not to knock him. It's just to say the resume is still being written, whereas Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, insert other big-time coach here, they've got a little bit longer of a resume, a few more pages to it. This will be the first time we really get to see Dion's development skills. So, with that being said, if there was a player that you wanted to have your first, I don't know if project's the right word, maybe poster boy is the better term to use there. For Deion Sanders, it's Travis Hunter without question. That is the most ideal prospect for him to develop from freshman year through to the NFL ranks. Why? Because Deion Sanders is making the pitch that I can get you where you want to go because I've been where you want to go. I've been in your shoes, played corner, played receiver. It is just a perfect match in terms of someone that you would have had to pick to be the first guy for Deion Sanders to develop. So I think this is going to work because of those reasons I just said. If it were an offensive lineman or it were a quarterback or it were a running back, you say, "Uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. You know, I mean, Deion Sanders didn't really play offensive tackle, so he's going to have to do a lot of work to get good coaches around him to make him his best self. Not to say he can't develop an offensive tackle, but for Deion Sanders, from talking to people that played on his team in the high school ranks, they said, yeah, he's a good coach. When it comes to talking about the defensive back play, He knows what he's doing. Everyone's seen the viral clip going around on Twitter from a few years ago where he's coaching up at the Under Armour All-American game, and he's just putting all those young DBs on game. Like, he can develop the defensive back position without question. And the reality is, Travis Hunter's development is how we're going to judge him going forward. If Travis Hunter doesn't reach his potential that we think he has, which is a first-round NFL draft pick— high stakes high expectations that's kind of the way it is we're the number one player in the entire country coming out of high school we're always going to point back to this decision and say well what if he went to Georgia Georgia develops DBs like it's nobody's business what if he went to Alabama Nick Saban those DBs are pretty much his babies like he takes pride in the secondary and how well they play and how well the, how well they project to the next level but if Deion Sanders gets him to that point that he wants to be at and be in a first round pick we will say man Go play for Coach Prime, achieve your dreams past the collegiate level. Go play in the NFL, you play for Coach Prime. So a lot rides on this for right or wrong for Travis Hunter and Deion Sanders and the future of how we talk about Deion Sanders in Colorado. But I think this is going to work for the exact reasons that I just said. I think Deion Sanders and Travis Hunter, Deion Sanders is the perfect coach from a skill set perspective to get Travis Hunter to where he wants to go. So no pressure, no diamonds. The lights are always bright when Coach Prime is around, but I think this is going to work. I'm excited to see it through and excited to see Coach Prime get to see the development through of a one Travis Hunter. Should be a good time. Be a real good time, man. So Travis Hunter wasn't the only one that made noise on National Signing Day. There was a lot of big-time players putting pen to paper, doing the sleight of hand, grabbing one hat, going to the other, doing the fake hat on the head, and then going to another hat like – it's, it's madness. It's beautiful. It's what, it's what makes college football so incredible. Why you love it. Why I love it. And why we were all glued to the ticker yesterday. Best sport in the world. There's not even a close second. feel pretty comfortable saying that. So to break it all down, the man who was on air yesterday for three hours, we were in here chopping it up. He was to my left. I was to his right. Chad Simmons was in the studio as well. Nick Brake was spinning the discs. Had a real good time. Welcome to the program on three national recruiting analyst, the GOAT, Josh Newberg. Josh, my man, how we doing? You get any sleep, you get to kind of get a massage and and, and get rested from yesterday, or are we still just running on fumes?
1: No, this is my third show that I'm taping today. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. This was my 18th signing day. Believe it or not, my first one was in 2004, attending the signee of Geno Hayes at Madison County High School when he chose Florida State over Tennessee, and it was crazy, let me tell you. So, not much has changed in the 18 years that I've been covering high school recruiting, going to college, but yesterday was a very memorable one. My first one at on three. I will always remember that. Had a lot of fun with you.
0: Man, it was an absolute blast. It was a just a, a luxury for me to sit right next to you and just tee up <laughs> after tee up. Like I said it yesterday, when LeBron James has the ball at the top of the key, you don't try and, and set a screen. You just get out of the way. So that's what it felt like yesterday, but tremendous work. We're going to keep that party rolling, as we like to say around here. And you have some superlatives from yesterday's signing day that I think the people would really like to see. You mind walking us through those just a little bit when uh, the dust has kind of settled so far today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. My most under. Let's start with my most underrated player, all right? He signed with the Gators, Eugene Wilson the third. Now, maybe I'm a little biased here because I am from the Tampa Bay area, but Eugene Wilson out of Gaither High School, same school that fellow Florida Gator attended, uh, Vernon Hargraves third. Eugene Wilson, though, on the other side of the ball, very explosive wide receiver. I think he has the ability to go in and play early at UF. My biggest surprise on the day would be Dante Moore flipping to UCLA from Oregon. Uh, this happened a couple days before signing day, but, boy, did we not see this one coming, especially the way Oregon finished. This was kind of a, ended up being a minor storyline on Wednesday, but Dante Moore flipping from Oregon to UCLA will be something that we watch and monitor over the length of Dante's career. Most intriguing in terms of upside, Nico Amaliava. He's already on campus at Tennessee throwing passes to wideouts during bowl practice. I'm really excited to see what Nico does at Tennessee. Most likely to be a first-round pick. Give me Keon Keeley. Ooh, nice. Edge, five-star edge out of the Tampa Bay area. Sign with Alabama love his measurables love his size speed combo but i mostly enjoy his workman-like mentality i think that will take him a long way especially within the nick saban program
0: mm, i like that i like the pronunciation too on Iamalayava. i mean you crushed that brother just i probably it said it up
1: i've probably said it 105 times in the last 24 <laughs> hours so I've, I've gotten pretty good at that most likely to win the heisman Give me Jackson Arnold. I mean, Mm. when it comes to putting up points in bunches, I think that's what Jackson Arnold's going to do. He's going to step on campus, compete for a starting job right away, expect big things from Arnold at Oklahoma. Freshman impact player. Mm. Give me Caleb Downs. The five-star safety committed to Alabama. Does it all. He plays a little bit of special teams, but he's a big hitter. He's a ball hawk. He flies around and just makes impact plays. You love to see that on the defensive side of the ball. Alabama needs help in the secondary. Look for Caleb Downs to play early. I think Charles Power comp
0: for him is Ed Reed. Anytime you're at the high school level playing safety and your comp is Ed Reed, I mean, that's special. That's special. His ball skills for what he's going to bring to that secondary, man. I'm excited to yeah. watch it unfold, especially under Nick Saban's tutelage. We said it before in this program, like Nick Saban in the secondary, those are his babies, man. Like those are his prodigies in that secondary. Take takes special pride in what they do. Talking about winners and losers from yesterday, it's unfortunate, but whenever you play the game, someone's got to win, someone's got to lose. Who are some of the, the big winners? We'll start there for you from signing day yesterday. Yeah,
1: besides you and I, some of the big winners on signing day. <laughs> was Alabama and Georgia. I mean, you know, one and two. I know Georgia didn't do anything to make up ground on Alabama. That was really not because Georgia had a bad day. They had a great day. Mm. But mainly because Alabama is just recruiting out of their minds. The night before signing day, Nick Saban goes into the state of Iowa, flips Iowa five-star offensive tackle commitment. Caden Proctor, he signs with Alabama on Wednesday. Uh, Huge move by the Miami Hurricanes as well they started the week around the eight or nine spot they're at number three right now uh let's talk about some oh how, oh how could we talk about winners without mentioning oregon right they were the story oh, of the day yesterday we thought maybe it would be a, a a slow signing day for them with dante moore flipping to ucla just days before but boy were they ready for that flipping austin Novasad from baylor flipping peyton bowen maybe from notre dame i mean that one's still up in the air a little bit but look oregon's not done there's still a big target left on the board five-star defensive lineman david hicks who's committed to the aggies is highly considering both oklahoma and oregon he has not signed yet there's rumors that he might today but i expect him to sign tomorrow to announce that decision so oregon who started the day at 14 finished the day at 7, still has a little bit of action still left on the board, and we could see them move up. Um, Disappointed – well, I wouldn't say I'm disappointed to see Tennessee outside the top 10 because of the season, because of the hype, everything that surrounded them. Tennessee didn't have a bad day on signing day. They signed exactly everybody that they expected to. They just didn't have that momentum on NSD itself. They didn't sign anybody extra, but Tennessee didn't lose anybody. Uh, Who else? Clemson did not finish inside the top 10. They had a shot at a top 10 class and Florida hangs on to that 10 spot. They were up to eight uh, before the commitment of Samson Okunlola to Miami. They had a shot at a top five class. if They were able to get him. They kind of fizzled out on signing day. It doesn't look like Desmond Ricks who's set to make his decision shortly within the next two or three hours. I do not expect it to be Florida. I think it's either LSU or Alabama there. Hmm.
0: There's a lot, man. There's a lot. And you were doing your homework all year long to be ready for this day. And then on signing day, they just threw a bunch of new problems, a bunch of new rankings, things into our algorithm system to where we were like, okay, they were at 14. Well, guess what? Oregon's at six now. And then Oklahoma's moving all over the board. And Notre Dame's moving and slipping and sliding. I mean, kudos to you to handle the fastball that it was. We were lucky enough
1: to have Chad Simmons in here with us. (laughs) And that made the show. I mean, yesterday – uh, mid-sentence, going to Chad for breaking news. You and I don't even know what he's about to break, and he throws it on us. It was something new every time. The, uh, the 11 o'clock hour, 11 o'clock central, it was just news, 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 back to back to back, and uh, Chad Simmons handled it all. He is a magician.
0: No, absolutely. an Absolute beast, a machine, best in the business. Yeah, it was great. Like He would throw his hand up, and you and I are like, we don't know what it is we haven't seen anything on twitter we're not seeing anything in the chat so that man sitting next to us is the only person who has a feel on what's actually about to happen right now And we got to hear it all live and in person i'll give you a couple winners maybe one winner one loser sure talking about lsu For them to have the top seven class they did and being able to do so much of it in the state of Louisiana, I really feel like that was a statement for them in Baton Rouge. I mean, all the conversation around, well, is Brian Kelly going to recruit? He hasn't really recruited as much before at Notre Dame. And then, for him to have as much resources as he had and to make good on it and to have the product on the field to propel them to that. I mean, I think LSU was a huge winner yesterday. I know Desmond Riggs here is about to make his decision. As of right now, we're, we're live on air and this is Thursday, December 22nd at right around 2.22 Eastern. So by the time you're watching this, you've probably seen where he's going to school. But even without Desmond Riggs, still a really good class and to have it be from the boot, that's that's a sign of good things to come. No, Josh?
1: Oh yeah. And you look at the top of their commitment, list list with offensive tackles Lance Hurd and wide receiver Shelton Sampson Jr. Two monster players from Louisiana. They did what they had to do to keep it home. The beginning of the season didn't get started the way Brian Kelly had hoped. He righted the ship, and you saw some of these first-year head coaches maybe struggle in their first year, and they weren't able to sustain that recruiting momentum, whereas Brian Kelly was able to right the ship and then explode into signing day. They did a great job finishing just, well, it's not finished yet, but sitting right outside the top five right now as we speak. You know, I really like what LSU did, especially in the trenches and grabbing some key playmakers, but you said it best. Holding down the boot was Mm. very important for Brian Kelly in his first year. It sets the tone for what they're about to do in 2024, and it just gets them off to a great start on the recruiting trail.
0: Hey, man, seems like the accent doesn't really matter quite as much anymore as some people thought it would. And now with sitting there with the top 10 class boot, seems like it fits just fine on Brian Kelly talking about a loser. And let me know what your thoughts are on this. I feel like Florida is coming away from signing day just a little bit with a confused feeling, like, hey, okay, we're, we're top ten, that's good, but also Texas is ahead of us, Georgia, uh, Alabama's ahead of us, obviously the number one spot LSU's ahead of us, so it's like, yes, yeah, a top ten class for most programs would be really exciting for Florida. Billy Napier came to Gainesville with all those blue polos around him and the team photo to acquire top talent and to be in that top five range. I thought like they're a loser coming back from signing day. Still, obviously, the February period that we're going to you know, get into when that comes. But Josh, what are your thoughts on the Gators and how they finished yesterday?
1: Well, it goes back to first-year head coaches, and most first-year head coaches receive a bump. They get that benefit of the doubt. We saw it in Miami, look at them. They finished number three. We just spoke about LSU. Oregon had a great class. And you wanted to see more out of Florida. It's not that it's a bad class. You got Jane Rashada. Maybe your future franchise quarterback. Five-star out of California. Signs with the Gators. But... If you look at the class top to bottom, my biggest concern is did you close the gap on your rivals and did you close the gap on the teams at the top of the SEC? The answer is no, not in in recruiting. Now, they do have a chance to hit the portal, which is also extremely competitive and nothing's guaranteed there. But with the hope and the optimism that Billy Napier had all offseason, it seems like it just didn't it didn't come to fruition down the stretch for the gators and my biggest concern is just the talent gap not only did you not close it but if you look at what alabama georgia lsu some of these other sec programs signed the gap's getting wider and wider and it's not going to get any easier for billy napier to recruit in year two
0: man it's brutal in the sec and you're gonna have to have hit a home run on Graham Mertz is what you're hoping and praying right now to have a better on field product that you would hope propels a little more off season juice. Cause like you said, that benefit of the doubt, the bot is no longer there for Billy Napier. So we'll see what happens, yeah. but I'm excited to keep an, keep an eye on what's going down. It's in not fans, a
1: bad bro. class. I don't want Florida fans to feel that secondary. Very good. Eugene mm-hmm. Wilson is one of my most underrated players in this class. Uh, They did pretty good on the offensive line, but just overall, they missed on too many targets down the
2: stretch.
0: Yeah, unfortunate, but like you said, going to play itself out. We, we rank these things on signing day based on how they project at the high school level and different measurables. The reality is they could hit the field in, on Saturday. Maybe they just finally get into a college strength program or have new resources to help them benefit athletically, and then they just skyrocket. So it's how it stands on signing day. But like you said, I think it's a very fair point and a good point to make that for Florida, a top 10 class. I mean, it's kind of first world problems, but still with the gap in the SEC, Got to start to close that a little bit more with the future classes. Let's shift gears here to one team that made absolute noise yesterday. Yes. Oregon Ducks. Dan Lanning had probably the, the tweet of the day uh, with a second tweet of the day being Matt Rule. We'll talk about that in a little bit later in the show. But Dan Lanning got the cigar, got the music playing. Today was a good day. And they cleaned house, man. I told you on the show, I was in the drive through line at Chick-fil-A and Oregon was at the number 14 spot that morning. Austin said, pulls out the spatula, goes full flip mode. He's going to the Ducks. Mateo Uyungale, he's going to the Ducks. Peyton Bowen, at the time of us being live, had decided he was flipping to the Ducks. We'll see if that holds. But even without Peyton Bowen, outside of that conversation, Oregon still had a great day yesterday. No, yeah. he finished in the top 10.
1: Yeah. They, they inked Jurion Dickey, their number one highest-ranked commit in the class. There was some concern not over him maybe flipping, but just maybe delaying his signing. Okay. And it was big news that they were able to ink him. It's done. Jurion Dickey is part of the class. Love what they did in the trenches. I think if you look at the top five, maybe even seven to where Oregon is, To me, what separates all those schools is what they did with the big athletic bodies. Hmm. That is where the beef is. You look at what Alabama did. You look at what Georgia did. You look at what Oregon was able to do. Landing Mateo Uyagalele at the last minute. We were sitting here a week before signing day saying he's trending heavily to Ohio State, which makes sense, J.D., right? They perennially land the best pass rushers in the country. Then we heard, oh, it's a surprise. You know, he's trending to USC. Okay, that's the in-state school. They're coming hard. Lincoln Riley's doing a great job at USC. They need some fireworks down the stretch. And then on signing day, the whispers start. Mateo Ulioglale, maybe it's not USC. Maybe it's not Ohio State. It's Oregon. They end up signing him. I mean, they were in it, but they, didn't, they were not considered a primary threat even maybe a week before. So they really load up in the trenches. Johnny Bowens out of Texas. Love what he brings. I think even though they're at seven, they are built like a top five commit list. I Hmm. really love what Oregon put together.
0: And why do you say that? Because of where they got at premier positions and potential impact? Or what in your mind makes them – look like a top five class.
1: Anybody can go out and grab great skill players, and there's nothing wrong with great skill players. Everybody needs them. But I think the difference for Oregon is what they're doing in the trenches, and they still have one big target left on the board, and that's the number one defensive lineman in America, David Hicks, who's committed to the Texas A&M Aggies, but he's considering flips to the O's. The O's are Oklahoma and Oregon. Maybe he remains committed. We're going to find out on Friday when the number one defensive lineman in America makes his decision. But if you could pair him with Johnny Bowens and Mateo Uyagalele, and now you get David Hicks, you really are starting to build an SEC-type program.
0: It really feels that way. With Dan Lanning coming from the Kirby Smart coaching tree and how they did things at Georgia and just kind of that edge that they have on the recruiting trail, It feels a whole lot like with Oregon having their NIL ducks in a row, no pun intended. (laughs) They're now really starting to be, you know, a force in the recruiting trail. And their, their branding is so powerful. Their NIL resources are so powerful to where going forward, if Dan Lanning, with the way he is just so tenacious in the recruiting trail, if they keep hitting it the way they are, I don't see a reason why they can't build an SEC-like program on the West Coast, just like you said, Josh. Yeah. So, as Dan Lanning says, they're building a program. I don't know why they put the U on there. I feel like maybe they copied us. Maybe we copied them. I don't know, but I'm here for it. Dan Lanning, one of us here on this channel. And, uh, no, Oregon absolutely took over yesterday. I want to get your thoughts with this before we get you out of here. How big was it to get Austin Novasat after losing Dante Moore? They have one guy flipped away from them. They flip one towards them at the quarterback spot.
1: I started laughing when I saw the flip and the reason I started laughing is because it looked like they got blindsided by the Dante Moore flip to UCLA. I mean, who, who saw that coming, you know, especially to a program, no, no slight on UCLA, but it doesn't have the hype. It doesn't have the winning that Oregon does recently. So when he flipped, it looks like, Oh, did they get caught flat footed? Like you said, no, they got caught web footed. They had (laughs) a plan for, Something like Austin Novosad to flip from Baylor on the morning of National Signing Day, that's not a situation where they just called Austin up and said, hey, buddy, we're in a spot where we didn't expect us to be. Dante Moore just went to UCLA. Would you like, would you like to come to Oregon? No, that's not how it worked. They had been working Austin Novosad behind the scenes for quite some time, keeping him warm. Maybe not saying, hey, we want to flip you right now, but they did enough to keep that relationship strong to where they didn't have to cold call him on the morning of National Signing Day and introduce themselves and beg for a flip. It was already done. So a very impressive work behind the scenes by Oregon on getting their recruiting board in order. And... You know, being prepared for anything that could possibly happen.
0: I mean, that just shows what you have on staff, correct? To be that prepared on National Signing Day to where, hey, things didn't go how we wanted with Dante Moore, but we still don't come away empty-handed with this class, getting our quarterback for the future. Out of Dripping Springs, Texas, one of the probably the coolest hometown names of this entire class, I would yeah. imagine.
1: And I was I was laughing because I was like, oh, Oregon has a plan. When I saw Austin Novis ad flipping – this, like, this was something that had been in the works. It wasn't something that just spur of the moment. So I just got a good chuckle out of like everybody doubting that the Ducks had a plan. Of course they had a plan.
0: And the Austin Nova set flip was just the tip of the iceberg, as it turned out throughout the madness of National Signing Day, but absolutely took care of business, did the Ducks, with the skyrocket, Show they put on during National Signing Day going up those rankings from 14. Got as high as six, I believe. You said they're in the seventh spot right now, Josh? Okay, so that's, hey, a top 10 finish. It's a pretty powerful spot to be at within the Pac-12. And they're still on the board. Not done yet, baby. Well, Josh, appreciate you, man. Congratulations on... Having an absolutely unreal signing day yourself. Uh, Like you said, Oregon, a big winner. You're a big winner as well. I hope you uh, are able to get some sleep and enjoy some of the uh, the holiday madness going on right now as well.
1: All right, I will. You too, JD. See you soon.
0: Appreciate it, Josh. Again, Josh Newberg, National Recruiting Analyst for On3, does an elite job for us here on the channel. Within On3 has the Inside Scoop. Go and watch that. It's out right now. It's also coming out every single Monday getting you the latest intel, the latest scoop from around the country across the college football landscape. Roll party, roll, baby. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Follow him on the socials. Follow me on the socials. A lot that we do there that we incorporate then into this channel. It's a people show, all right? I've said that multiple times. I don't think it's far off. I don't think it's off at all, actually. I think it's pretty dead on your show. Let's talk about Tennessee in terms of National Signing Day. They started the day at 10. And the Tennessee Vols, at the end of everything, the dust settled. They didn't have anybody flip. They didn't, you know, miss on any commits that they wanted to get. But they slid back two spots to 12. Now, they finished 15 a year ago. We'll talk about that. But here's, I think, the the two vantage points you can have if you're a Tennessee fan as it relates to the Vols. The first is the glass half-empty kind of perspective. Hey, we slid to 12. We're out of the top 10. We finished behind Florida. We finished behind LSU, we finished behind Georgia, we finished behind Bama. Okay, that's frustrating because all those schools are who you're going to go toe-to-toe with year in and year out in the SEC. And here's the reality for the folks in Knoxville. Josh Heupel didn't come there to be second best. Nobody's interested in third-place trophies and beating Bama every couple years, and oh, maybe one day we'll beat Georgia. Nobody's down for that, Okay. And I'm all about that. I appreciate that. So if you're frustrated with how you finished in the SEC, I understand. I think that's valid. Now, here's where I would push back a little bit. The half-full approach would be you finished three spots higher than a season ago. You were at 15 last year. You're at 12 this year. So that's a positive step in the right direction. Oh, by the way, Josh Heupel's been there all of what feels like 45 minutes coming out of his second year. You're playing for a New Year's Six Bowl this year. So the on-the-field product is progressing. The recruiting is making an upward trend. You got your quarterback of the future, man. Most important position in all of football. I was at a personnel symposium before the season started. Bill Polian, who was the I believe he was the general manager for the Indianapolis Colts for a long time, talked a lot about what you need at different positions. Hey, look for this in a wide receiver. Look for this in an offensive lineman. Look for this in a linebacker. At the end of that presentation, he just bold-faced said, if you get the right quarterback, you solve right around 50 to 60% of your problems. Tennessee, you got the guy that you wanted. You got Nico Iamalayava committed, signed, sealed, delivered, actually on campus, going through bowl practice right now with your team. Do you believe you got the right guy? Because if you did, you have 60% of your problems solved. And Josh Newberg and I were talking the other day up in the office, and he made a great point saying, This entire class, whether it's right or wrong, will be judged based on how Nico Iamaliava does in the future. Is that fair? I don't know. I think there's a lot more to play into than that because there's 25 commits in this class. But the reality is the quarterback has a huge impact and you got one of the best in the country. Okay, that's a very, very big deal. Looking forward to that. I think you addressed a lot of needs. Think about last season for Tennessee. Secondary had a lot of issues. It was one of the worst units in the country in terms of yards per game surrendered. Now there's more that goes into it than just what we saw from a numbers perspective because the offense is scoring so much that we're getting thrown on more than anybody else in the country because you're trying to play catch up if you're the opposition. So that number isn't totally, you know, accurate all the way. It's kind of inflated is what I'm trying to tell you. But you and I both know there has to be upgrades in the secondary. And for Tennessee, they made sure To go and do that, added five DBs of their 25 commits. Talking about self-awareness, it's a self-aware program. Also, in the SEC, you know what wins? Big bodies. USDA-approved sirloin. Like Josh says, Wagyu beef. That's what wins in the SEC. You want to know why? Because it's physical week in and week out. You got grown men beating each other up on each side of the line of scrimmage, black and blue each and every week. On the Sunday after your game, you're bruised up, you're hurt. Well, guess what? They got eight defensive guys in the trenches. So that's a linebacker. It's a defensive lineman. That's an edge rusher. They got eight of those. So that tells me they understand how this game is played. They understand the rhythm of the SEC. What wins is big bodies and having depth in those big bodies. Knowing that, hey, we may not have the starting lineup available to us in week 12. We may not have the same guys on week one as we do later in the year. So with that being said, let's stock the cupboard a little bit here. Let's make sure that we can go the duration of the season and feel good about what we have ready to roll. Eight defensive guys in the trenches. I think it shows great self-awareness. I think that feels really good to know you have a guy running your operation in Josh Heupel who isn't ignorant to how to win in the SEC. There's multiple ways, but I promise you, that's a key ingredient. All right? If you haven't yet subscribed, we'd love to have you here. Okay, this is a party. This is the people show. It's a football community. It's what we are. All right? So come and join the party. Subscribe. We've had well over 5,000 of you from the Tennessee Volunteer Faithful fan base come and join us this season. If you haven't yet subscribed, there's always room. No time like the present. Also, follow me on the socials at JDPiquel on Twitter and on Instagram. Love the interaction we get to have there that we can then incorporate into this program. Also, be sure to like the video. All right, here's the other thing I would say. The direction of this Tennessee program is correct. What do I mean by that? You have the right map and you have the right leader. So right now, it's about execution. You.
2: Uh,
0: what's the best way to say this? It's not really an easy way to say this. There's a lot of programs, there's a lot of coaches around college football that don't have the right direction, that don't understand what it takes and what the right – approaches to winning college football they got the map upside down they have their directions all crisscrossed they don't really understand how to get it done now you say well Josh Heupel we're not playing for a, a college football playoff this year we're not playing for national title this year that's okay you're playing for New Year's Six Bowl so you're continuing to execute you're continuing to make the climb you're following the plan you're sticking to the map it's okay to not be at your destination just yet it's only year two You have some time here. You won seven games his first year there. You won double-digit this year. That's progress. That shows me you're following the map. You're headed in the right direction. And having the right quarterback will make all the difference. And I think you feel pretty confident you have the right quarterback in this class. From Nico, like I already mentioned. So the offense going forward on paper will make you a threat in every game. So here's the key ingredient. The difference between Georgia and Tennessee – the difference from Georgia, from Tennessee being good to eventually being great is being able to stack the classes. Georgia, we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show, they haven't finished outside the top three in recruiting since 2016. Say, so, J.D., why are you telling me this? I'm just saying Georgia has been at this for a minute. Josh Heupel is just getting started and has tremendous results, man. So trust what you're seeing right now. It's a top 15 class, you're at number 12. Like I said, that's improvement. Don't get bored being consistent. Don't get bored. Don't get frustrated on the journey of getting to where you got to be. It takes some time. It just takes some time. And so I say that because Tennessee is improving and they're continuing to try and stack those classes and trying to stack those classes where it matters. In 2015, Georgia had a number 13 ranked recruiting class. Tennessee is just going to revamp via the portal. They're going to build on the recruiting trail, and that's eventually where they're going to get to. Because Georgia, and I hate doing the comp because I'm not sure that it's really every single situation the same, but this is what we saw in the game between Georgia and Tennessee. Georgia has that sleeper hold available to them. Like you get into a fight, and the big strong dude can just kind of put you in the sleeper hold. Because of the physicality in the trenches, and because they have so many dudes that they've stacked one on top of the other at the five-star caliber on the defensive and offensive line. Tennessee is starting to build there. They're just on that course. So once Tennessee develops that, then it's going to be about, okay, our skill players. Now that's where it kind of starts to equal out. So they're building the trenches, developing that sleeper hole, developing that physical presence. That's the next step for Tennessee. Because I truly believe with Josh Heupel being behind the offense, that's always going to be competitive. That's always going to make you dangerous. Keep an eye on Tennessee going forward because this positive trend, I think, is headed the right direction. The destination is clear. Trust the process. Trust the trend. And don't be frustrated with the top 12 signing class where you got your quarterback of the future. Good things are coming in Knoxville. Just be patient. If you hit on Nico and you build the trenches, You have a chance to be very, very special in the years to come. Roll, party, roll. Roll, party, roll. If you haven't yet subscribed, we'd love to have you at the party. No time like the present, baby. It's what I said. National Signing Day is in the rearview mirror. But guess what? National Signing Day in February is on the horizon. We're going to have a really long live show for that. The hard count. We're live on Tuesday. We're live on Thursday. You know what it is, man. We're also on podcast, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get it. We're there. Make sure you subscribe there and lock in. Have a real good time. College football's the best, man. We love this sport so much. And because of stuff like signing day, because of talking about stacking classes and what schools will eventually be in the years to come because of what they did on signing day, no other sport is like that. That's why we love it. All right. One program that absolutely went to work in the last 25, 26 days, and one individual who's been to work in the same capacity, Matt Rule. That's right. Coach Matt Rule, he rebuilt Temple, rebuilt Baylor, after a short stint in the NFL, is back in the college game. He is at the helm in Lincoln, Nebraska. They had a day on signing day. Very quietly, they had a day on signing day. They got a lot of what I call OKGs because we just love acronyms in the football world. They got our kind of guys they're going to develop and turn into absolute dogs as we go forward. But here's what I think is crucial to take away. Finished ninth in the Big Ten last year in recruiting. Finished fifth in this past national signing day in the entire conference so it's a force a four class increase which is a positive thing but think about where Nebraska was last season not playing for a bowl game coach gets fired early in the year and you still finish first in the big 10 West It's important a lot of that work was done by Matt rule this last 20 plus days very very important very very crucial. they also kept Malachi Coleman in the state of Nebraska. He's right down the road from you. Malachi Coleman went and visited with Coach Prime in Colorado. Let me tell you this, most recruits, a lot of recruits, when they go visit Colorado, when they get in the same room as Coach Prime, man, it's a done deal. So charismatic. He's a great recruiter has the NFL pedigree, telling you he can get you to where you want to go. Travis Hunter's joining him. Like, a lot of recruits buy into that quickly. I'm not saying they shouldn't. I'm just saying it's impressive that Nebraska was able to hold off Coach Prime in Colorado and keep four-star athlete Malachi Coleman a, a, a Cornhusker. I mean, that's enormous, absolutely enormous. He's going to be a receiver, is what Matt Rule has said publicly. We'll see how he translates, but he's a freakish athlete, extremely fast, and will play early according to Matt Rule. If you haven't yet subscribed, we'd love to have you at the party. I always say it, but this is your show. College football is a -a 12-month-a-year sport. We're going to cover it accordingly, meaning we don't take a day off. We're not over here taking vacations. This is how we get down. This is what we love. We know you love it too, so that's why this is a community. Also, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at jdpakell. Here's how I look at Coach Rule going to Nebraska, because I'll just say this. I got a chance to be in Matt Rule's program at Baylor for a short period of time. And what Matt Rule is to Nebraska is like a caffeine pill to that brand, like a dose of caffeine, espresso, whatever kind of caffeine you prefer. That's what Matt Rule is to this brand. And I say that because there's a lot of kids with a lot of stars next to their name that are looking for a reason to play at Nebraska. And to be honest, they haven't really had one for a few years. But Matt Rule brings vision. He brings excitement. He brings juice. He brings pedigree. He brings a great track record. I think at the end of the day, he brings direction to Nebraska. And let me just say this. When someone has a clear direction, when you know without a doubt where someone is going, it makes it very easy to follow them. You know what I'm saying? The direction for Nebraska and for Matt Rule is this. Speed on defense building it in the trenches, being back to that bully physical brand of football they play in Lincoln, then also out-developing their competition. They'll take the three-star. Look at their class. They're happy to take the the, the three-star player and turn him into an NFL prospect, NFL draft pick. They're happy to do that because they out-evaluate and they out-develop better than most staffs in the country. I'm I'm very confident saying that about, about Matt Rule because the track record indicates just as much. So here's my final thought on on why I think Nebraska is headed the right direction. On signing day morning, you woke up likely to a tweet from Matt Rule's Twitter account with a series of emojis. And you can go and look the tweet up. It'd be kind of awkward to try and communicate to you out loud. But here's the gist of the tweet, if I'm reading between the lines. It's a subtweet that from where I was sitting, was a little bit of shade thrown towards two specific schools on what they were doing when it comes to NIL. And I'll just say this. Whether that's true or not, I don't have any insight to. I'm sure Matt Rule has a better gauge on all that than me. But just the fact that he was willing to pick a fight a little bit, like that's kind of an aggressive move in a positive way to, to kind of call out some other schools. For Matt Rule, I think that's what Nebraska needs. I mean, that's what Nebraska has been when they're successful. They're that bully. They're looking to pick a fight. They're not scared of anybody else. They're not being bashful. They're not tiptoeing around anything. Does a tweet sum up everything about what Matt Rule stands for, what Nebraska going to be? No, but I think it's a, a, a small peek into what he is, into how he operates. They're the bully, man. And I've been in that room with him. I've been in that team room with him, again, for a short period of time. But in that small sample size, I'll tell you what, there is enormous confidence within those walls of what he is going to build at Nebraska. In those team rooms, he's confident in that he can get it done, that his process works. And so far, the track record proves exactly that. And he said it, we're going to get big human beings to play in the trenches from this region. And so far, eight of the 21 players in this class from Nebraska, a lot of those, Big linemen that are going to dominate the line of scrimmage. So what I'm trying to say is from a mentality standpoint and from a play style standpoint, Nebraska is going to get back to being the aggressor. They're not scared of anybody. They're not tiptoeing around anybody. They're going to be the hammer and not the nail. Will that happen in year one? I think you'll see a really strong effort to be that, but I promise you it's more of a process. It's going to be over the next couple of years. So I'm not calling a shot that Nebraska's going to win the title next year. They're going to play for a New Year's Six Bowl. That could for sure happen. College football is a wild sport. Maybe more so playing for a New Year's Six Bowl than you do a national title because that's a hard thing to do. The bottom line is Nebraska's headed the right direction because of Matt Rule's approach, because of what Nebraska is going to get back to being and being the bully and being physical. And then in terms of re-energizing that brand. We saw them take strides on signing day with a coach that's been there 24 days. Okay, give it some time. But Matt Rule, Nebraska are going to work. I just want to make sure we're keeping a, a, a solid look at what they're doing. They're going to work, and I really feel excited about where that program is headed. They are very happy to pick a fight. And I do not envy whoever has to see them in that back alley when it's time to fight. That would just be awesome for college football. People always say this too. Whenever you say a certain brand is good for college football, you the 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 thing you hear back is, oh, was it so bad the last couple of years? No, it wasn't bad the last couple of years. Of course not. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying when Nebraska would be relevant, if that was a national brand that we're talking about playing meaningful bowl games in late December, in January in terms of like a New Year's six caliber or you know early January maybe even a playoff standpoint like that would just be fun right that would be fun i think that would be uh, really good for the sport itself but regardless college football the best thing to ever exist okay we're going to close this thing out talking a little bit about the georgia bulldogs if you haven't yet jumped in the chat and hit us with your question nick breakkeeper the queue is holding it down in there man make sure you get to that make sure you shoot us a question nick break going to do his best to Get to your question as effectively, as efficiently as possible. But if you get those in right now, we have a better chance of getting to your question. All right? Also, like the video if you haven't. Subscribe if you haven't. We have a good time on here. And we're growing the community, man. That's what this is. It's a community. If it's if it's nothing else, it's just me and a mic and Nick in the control room. Y'all are the reason we get to have this show. Y'all are the reason why this is fun. And y'all are the reason why we keep the party rolling. Okay? So, the Georgia Bulldogs and Kirby Smart finished yesterday with a number two class in the entire country. They just added Ra Ra Thomas via the transfer portal from Mississippi State. I think he's going to help them. We'll talk about that a little bit more in this segment. But outside of Ra Ra Thomas, they've only taken six transfers since 2019. You say, okay, well, they've had some pretty good players, so they're not going outside for that. All right, well, who are they taking? Uh, They haven't finished with a recruiting class outside the top three. You heard me correctly, outside the top three since 2016. So that tells me, that tells you, they have been stacking top talent on top of top talent on top of top talent for several years now. So in the day and age of player mobility and the transfer portal, we've seen some of these big-time programs really benefit from that. I mean, USC is one of them. Alabama has taken some big time players from the portal in Jameer Gibbs this last year. He was great for them. Georgia. I think obviously will still benefit from the portal, but Kirby didn't build this thing with any eye towards the portal. The portal is kind of the cherry on top. If we get it great, if not, we're not too worried about it. And the reason why that is they don't need to, I mean, they don't need to, you don't need to go and acquire in the portal when you can grow within the program. Okay, when I have a cow out back and I can go get my milk fresh every morning, I don't need to go to the grocery store and go buy a gallon or two because I'm set. I'm good for a while, man. That's just kind of the way this thing works for Kirby Smart. And I think the argument could be made, when you go into the portal, you risk taking a small step down from what you already have in house because the reality is in Athens they usually get some of the top players at their position coming out of high school so then the burden shifts back to Georgia meaning did you do your homework on the front end on this kid are you getting what you thought you were getting so far based on the numbers and what they've done on the field yeah second thing is for Georgia are you developing him adequately are you getting the most out of this kid? Are you helping him reach his potential? That's going to help your program reach your potential. Again, looking at the numbers, looking at what George has been on the field. Yeah, they have. And so the portal is a great thing. I'm not knocking the portal, but I think it's fascinating in the day and age of college football, in the day and age of throw that program into the microwave, heat it up, and you're good to go after a year. That's not the way that George has done it. And we've seen them have sustainable success over the last few years. Kirby's building this thing with some staying power. If you haven't yet subscribed, would love to have you at the party, man. For Georgia fans, I believe you're going to want to subscribe to this channel. We've had well over 3,000 of you subscribe this past season. We're so glad to have you at the party. If you haven't yet, no time like the present. Also, follow me on the social channels at JDPakel on Twitter and on Instagram. A lot of interaction that we do there. We incorporate into this program, and we have a good time. Excuse me. Program. I apologize. The thing about Georgia is they really trust their development process because anytime you go into the portal, you are getting a player that is at some point in his development. You're not getting just a high schooler that's fresh off of prom and you know trying to figure out how to develop their physical prowess, develop their skills. A lot of the habits that you're going to have as a college football player are already developed by the time you hit the portal. Now, there's different situations, different circumstances, but you hear what I'm saying here. Georgia, I believe, trusts their process so much that they would much rather bet on young talent that hasn't seen the field just yet than take some sort of talent that has, you know, had some success on the field, but they don't know if they want to plug and play it into their program. And so I think the trust in the process and the focus on the internal at Georgia is why we've seen them be so successful over the past few years. Why we've seen them put out 15 NFL players in this last draft, and that's just drafted alone. They had much more signed. Five first-round draft picks on the defensive side alone. Their process is what they're trusting and what they're sticking to, and you're seeing the results of that. When you don't worry about the results and you just fine-tune the process, that's how you get success within a program, yes, but within a YouTube show, within a YouTube channel, within a business, within whatever hobby you wanna do, whatever job you wanna do, focusing on the internal, forgetting about the external, forgetting about the results, that's how you get to where you wanna go. That's how you get optimal results, by not focusing on the results. Kind of funny how that works, but Georgia and Kirby Smart have exemplified that to a T. So there's exceptions to that, right? The exception to the way they've built it is there's also, like I said, the the way to help yourself, right? Like you don't turn away a, a positive component to your team. I believe Ra-Ra Thomas is going to be that for Georgia going forward. I truly do. I think they have some sort of room for improvement at the wide receiver position. And if you trust your evaluation on Ra-Ra Thomas, you've done your homework on him, you trust his development, and you like what he's going to bring to your program, okay, all your boxes are checked. You're still sticking to your process but you're just not being stubborn about it, I think is the best way to approach it. But again, he's just the seventh transfer they've taken since 2019. So clearly doing something right in-house at Athens. Typically though, teams go to the portal because they have a problem. Like if you have just a glaring need at left tackle and there is no way in the world that you trust what you have on your roster, you're going to the portal. For Georgia... They don't really find themselves in that position too much. Going back to this whole agriculture metaphor, if I know without a shadow of a doubt that that crop is not going to grow and it's showing it's not growing it's in a bad way, well, guess what? If that's the only crop I have planted, we're in trouble, right? We're in trouble. But for Georgia, they grow multiple crops all year round and they harvest them consistently, and so they don't have to go to the store and buy whatever kind of crop that they have that's not growing right. They can just go back into their depth chart, look at who they have, they trust their development, they trust the process, plug and play. It's a beautiful thing, and I think that's more sustainable because think about it this way. If you're that same situation where you're growing your own food, you're growing your own means, you never have to leave and find something else you're not stressing about where that next meal is coming from. If you go through the drive through that's great. You're happy to eat probably feel good for a little bit. But after, you know, that feeling passes, after that player graduates, after that player is no longer in your program, because that's the other thing when you hit the portal, there's a limited number of eligibility there, then you're back to the same spot. So Georgia's playing the long game here. They've done a great job playing the long game consistently. I'm excited to see what they do in the future, because I think the old-school nature of Georgia – and the concentration on their process is why we continue to see them succeed. So for Georgia, I understand they added rah Raw Thomas. That is a great get. I believe that is still within their process. But Kirby has built this thing at the high school recruiting level as the base, and they're doing just fine. Not against Transfer Portal, not against NIL. Of course not. It's a future of the future of the sport. But for Kirby Smart in Georgia, they built it with some staying power, and they've built it in-house and trusting their process. All right. Very, very grateful for y'all rocking with us. We have got a lot ahead of us. we got the national championship game. We've got the college football playoffs. We've got more bowl games. We've got so much that we got to still unpack through the coming days. So if you haven't yet subscribed, I mean this sincerely. We would love to have you at the party. This is your show. This is the people's show. For a long time, I worked in a standard 8-5 to five job, and I didn't dislike it. But I just always knew that doing this right here with y'all, being able to have a conversation, being able to talk about what we care about, what we're passionate about, that was always the hope and always the dream. And so to do this now, I promise I don't take it for granted. And I promise that person that was still sitting in the cubicle, that was listening to podcasts and, and keeping up with college football through the, the ticker and the apps and all that, like that's still what we are here. We're still a fan. This is our sport. We're going to cover it accordingly. So we appreciate you making sure you're locked in with us Got a lot to get into. All right. Now, go into the live chat, the party section, man. The best thing we do on this program, you join the party. Keeper of the queue, heavy lifter extraordinaire, Nick Brake. How we doing, my man? How we doing after signing day?
2: Man, I'm pretty tired, JD. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to bring the energy, though, but I'm doing good, my friend. You look um, good,
0: man. You don't look tired.
2: Oh, you're too kind, my friend. You're too kind.
0: What uh, we got, man? What's, what's the chat saying?
2: Uh, well, first and foremost... Uh, You know, I've got to oblige this question. Uh, Well, I guess that's not what that word means. But anyway, um, starting to get a lot of talks about Austin Reed in the chat um, in the Hilltoppers because a good friend of mine, uh, Colin Craig, who's a regular on the broadcast, says he wants to hear your thoughts on Western Kentucky dominating the bowl game. And Austin Reed's 497 yards last night against um, was it South Alabama? Southern Alabama,
0: yeah. And Southern, Alabama, Southern Alabama, a good program. I'm ashamed to say I actually picked against the Hilltoppers in my bull mania pool, Nick. So I have egg on my face today, courtesy of Austin Reed. Austin Reed is a Power 5 quarterback. Let's just be real here. Austin Reed, to call a spade a spade, for those of you that were waiting for that back home, Austin Reed is a guy that could have played a lot of other places this coming season. Um, I'm excited to see what he does for an encore next year likely probably has, what, one more year that will go to the NFL draft. Going to make a lot of money in the NFL, but just a sheer clinic by him last night. Passed out a T-shirt and a juice box after the game, as one does after a clinic. So, I mean, the future is bright for Western Kentucky. Anytime you got a guy like that slinging the rock for you, you're always going to have a chance, and that was what was put on display last night. But a great question. I appreciate it, Colin Craig. Joining the party, as always. As always. A whole lot of fun, man. Glad to have you.
2: Absolutely. Uh, next question. This is coming from... Sam Kalamfam, what okay. is your prediction on D- Dylan Riola? And I know you were talking about Dylan yesterday. JD, what do you think?
0: My feel on that is there's a lot of smoke around, well, is he going to go to Nebraska? Because there's ties to Nebraska. Here's the thing that I would say if, if I'm a Nebraska fan how about we worry about who we have on campus right now? How about we worry about winning games next season and have something attractive from a product standpoint to sell to a Dylan Riola before that's where our attention goes? if that makes sense. Because if you win, recruiting juice starts to get rolling a little bit more. If you build it, they will come. In terms of where Dylan Raola is going to go, I have no idea. I'd love to sit here and give you a short list and tell you this is what I'm hearing. This is the buzz. Truthfully, man, I don't know. I would imagine he will probably take some visits this summer and get a better feel for things. We typically see those quarterbacks make a decision before their senior season. I don't know if that will be the case. But, yeah, for Dylan Rayola, someone's going to get a player. For those of you that don't know, number one player in the country, was committed to Ohio State, backed off that, that commitment recently. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, expect a commitment if we're trusting the way that quarterbacks typically do things before he plays his senior year. But, yeah, man, I, I don't know. If, you, if you're thinking about Nebraska, though, 2023, have a good season and help your chances.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, This is a question, kind of could tie into this a little bit. It's from Rhett Morgan. Who do you think has a brighter future, Nebraska or Coach Prime in Colorado?
0: Whoa, okay. Brighter future, Coach Prime in Colorado or Nebraska. (sighs) That's tough, man. Here's the one thing I would say. For Colorado, they're going to acquire a ton of talent. They're going to revamp it quick, fast, in a hurry from just a personnel standpoint. And I hate to say it, but I think the Pac-12 is just easier to win in than the big 10 is. I don't think that's a super novel concept. Look at what USC did going from four and eight to playing for the title. So also with USC and UCLA leaving, they're looking for a big dog to take over. Now Oregon's going to have a really good chance to be that big dog, but I think the development track record for, tra- for Travis Hunter and Deion Sanders will tell us a lot about how much staying power there's going to be there at Colorado. Um, so the answer, I guess, would be Colorado just because you still got Ohio State to deal with. you still got Michigan to deal with. Michigan State, not great now, but you would expect them to eventually get up off the map, whether it's under Mel Tucker or otherwise. USC and UCLA are coming to the conference. So, like, just in terms of being able to win the conference title, I think you probably look a little bit more towards Colorado based on just competition. But I, I'll tell you this. I 1,000% expect Matt Rule, Nebraska, to be competitive at a high level within the next three to four years. Like, he is a program builder. He's going to get ahead of the right direction. He's going to develop. He's going to recruit. Like, Nebraska's got some some juice now. So hang on tight. But for Colorado, I think they have the best chance, at least for early success.
2: Okay. Uh, this question, coming from a good friend of ours, uh, Drago.
0: There we go, Drago. Glad <laughs> to have you, you, brother.
2: As always, Drago asking about his their Tennessee Vols. Do you think Joe Milton can be elite? Uh, what do you think about him versus... This is kind of a confusing question. Um, What do you think about him, Drago? I might have to have you re-ask this question. Uh, I'll read this verbatim, JD. Yeah. What do you think of him versus now, from Michigan to Tennessee? Oh, okay. Now you. Okay. My apologies, JD and Drago. No. Uh, What do you see possible for for Milton? And what's his ceiling?
0: So the sample size on Joe Milton is still pretty small. The scouting report is big body, really athletic. Big arm, can he dial in the accuracy? The reality is I don't know that you need Joe Milton to be elite. So will he be elite? I don't think it's necessarily – situation where you plug him into that offense and have the same results you had with Henan Hooker. I don't think he's Henan Hooker, if that's what you're asking. I think Nico has a chance to be more elite. But for Joe Milton, I think he has a chance to still be really good. I think Tennessee has a chance to still win a lot of games. And they're not going to ask him to drop back there and go from progression, first read to fourth read, and fit it in between a safety. It's going to be, okay, let's use your legs. Let's pick up a first down where we need it. Let's hand the ball off. Let's make good decisions. And then when there's money on the table, meaning we win our one-on-one on on the outside and those safeties are rolled down because of what this offense demands from a secondary, make sure to cash in on those throws, okay? So making your layups, especially those deep pass layups, is going to be, I think, the difference maker for Joe Milton, how he does at Tennessee. A lot of ability, a lot of talent, just kind of make the easy play and then be able to cash in on the big ones. So it's a great question. I understand the, the, the... concern based on what he did at Michigan. I just think there's not enough to break down and make a definitive statement. Okay, he's this from Michigan. He's this at Tennessee. I just think time's going to tell. And the bowl game should be really insightful as well. Okay, JD. Love it, Nick. What do you think? We got two, room for two more?
2: Well, I actually don't think we have two more questions. All right, let's do uh, it. Right, I could be I missing it. them. Um, but for for the most part, we're getting some Bama versus Georgia debate. <laughs> and uh and in fact I'll actually close out with with a good comment. Uh Ham Solo, I love the name by the way, uh says, Imagine arguing in a YouTube chat, JD. I think that's <laughs> a fitting way to uh conclude our holiday there show. There it is, man. But I we love it. To find
0: we love it, man. Well, Nick, appreciate you, brother, for all you've done yesterday on signing day, today on the inside scoop, today on the hard count, man. You make the whole operation roll, so we appreciate you for that. Have a great Christmas, man, and we'll see you after the holidays.
2: You too, man. Travel safely.
0: Absolutely. Again, Nick Brake, heavy lifter, keeper of the queue, producer extraordinaire, makes this whole operation run. Folks, thank you so much for spending your time with us. Like I said, you have a ton of options for where you can spend your time and where you want to get your college football and uh, analysis or content, however you want to phrase it. You have options, and we're glad you chose us. If you haven't yet told a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend, come join us. There's always room at the party, okay? This is a really fun time of year with National Signing Day, with the transfer portal, with bowl games, and with the Christmas season. So we're grateful, like I said, to have you along for the ride. We're grateful for what y'all are making this community. And remember the reason for the season. All right? We're going to keep the party rolling. We will see y'all next time.